0: Mr. Robot, Season 3, Episode 9 is over, but we're just getting started here talking about the penultimate episode of Season 3 of Mr. Robot. It pains my heart to say that. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler. I am joined here by a man who, no matter what he's about to tell you, he is a puppet. He is a puppet. It's Antonio Mazzaro. No puppet. No puppet. You're the puppet. Uh, I hated that. I got to be honest. Oh, we <laughs> could
1: start on a negative note here. Oh,
0: my God. Listen, how often am I just, like, worshiping at the altar of Mr. Robot when I'm not not enjoying a thing I feel like it is Important for me to Say
1: because it is so Rare yeah triggered I Didn't even recognize That it was a trigger To uh what triggered You so listen
0: I don't Listen I don't mind uh The show taking uh, Taking swipes where it Feels like it needs to Take swipes but it Just felt a little Forced coming out of Terrell Wellick but Neither here nor there How are you doing Antonio Mazzaro you're Like grooming your hair Right now how do you're you like, Know how do you know
1: I'm grooming my you're hair You're taking
0: you're Taking selfies how do You know right this now. is Happening how There's do a you Selfie know? happening of the Two of us right now Guys for the first time Ever uh, not for the first time ever that we've been in person doing a podcast But for the first time ever doing a Mr. Robot podcast in person Antonio Mazzaro is in my neck of the woods And as I am saying these words He is just taking a slew of selfies uh, Selfie stew happening over here
1: I dropped magnum on you
0: That was your nickname once upon a time Selfie, selfie stew Selfie yes, stew That was my
1: Simpsons character
0: Selfie stew is definitely
1: a thing Antonio, <laughs> welcome to the, to the Wiggle Room studio I am so happy to be in the Wiggler podcast studio It's not. I, I'm not unfamiliar to me like you said, but uh, it's it's nice. It's cozy. We're we're really uh, we're really just crowding into this microphone here, aren't we? We're very close right now. Yeah. Not
0: unlike Trenton and Mobley in the afterlife. I'll be Mobley. I'll be Trenton. That's okay. fine with me. Uh, so we're here. We're talking about the second to last episode of season three. Mr. Robot. Can you believe it? Can you believe it that there's only one more episode of Mr. Robot this season when all is said and done? We're done with this podcast.
1: It's interesting, right? Because last season was the 13 episode and last season felt a little different than the first season, which was this full force barreling forward narrative explosion in season one. And season two was more contemplative and more character based and really getting into the meta parts of the story. But the structure of this season has been a little bit of both. We, we had the pause down in episode eight. Where we really did take the time To let the events of the previous episodes Sink in But we've had a lot of these conjoined episodes And this does feel like the first part of the finale
0: Yeah, I think I mean That's something that once again Drink if I say Adana, I will say Adana again That's twice now Just drink twice now Uh, In our weekly column I kind of asked him that question You know, this first uh, This penultimate episode of season 3 Kind of feels like the first hour Of a two-part finale And I asked him if that's the way He views it as well and he talked about it as, yeah, I kind of look at it That way, and if you analyze this season as a Whole, you'll find a clear structure With multiple episodes making up an act Or a unit of story In that way, our season feels like a 10-hour Film. Uh, keep that news away From the people who are up in arms about Twin Peaks, The Return, making some Best of film, uh, oh, best, end of Year list, best film of 2017 Those people are puppets, Josh. Those are the puppets
1: Those puppets, those
0: puppets <laughs> yes, those are puppets I mean, I, I disagree with you. I do think it's just a, a, a Glorious television show, but we don't have to get into a debate about that here It, uh, it is whatever David Lynch wants It's to whatever be. he wants it yeah, to be I he guess he does yeah. talk about it in a film But it's a yeah. TV show it's a TV show well this is a great TV show As well but it does feel like we have been In acts you know we talked about the stage Two parter that I think was almost A stage two three parter with the Deaths of Mobley and Trenton may they rest In peace forever in the afterlife Together uh, You know, they,
1: that, <laughs> they were already in purgatory Josh in Arizona You know it felt
0: like the capper Of the whole stage two caper I don't even Want to you know that feels like that's you know Making it too silly By calling it a stage 2 caper The cyber bombings Which were very serious to
1: Yeah let's, let's just make it a caper It was an Ocean's 11 type of thing It was an Ocean 71 yeah. <laughs> More of an oh shit moment you know? <laughs> Oh shit 71 yeah. yeah yeah, you're right But the the the, the, the episodes of this season Have been part, parts of a whole And it feels different in that way Last season we did have a, a stage 2 parter in the finale as well We ended last season With Tyrell and Elliot Meeting back up And walking off uh, into the night And then we we get to the finale with the next episode picking up with what stage two is going to look like. But this is a much more I think this is a different structure entirely because here we're talking about really setting up the events the action that's going to drive us forward into the finale. So I'm excited to talk about all those points, but we're, not, we're doing that in some ways with flashbacks, which is fascinating to me because we begin this episode not with the current events that we're, we're, we're hurtling forward towards but by going all the way back. The circular storytelling again of Mr. Robot we're seeing a scene that we had never contemplated Which was when E-Corp hired Allsafe
0: Well we had to get our obligatory Gideon Goddard sighting uh, In oh, yes. season 3 that
1: hadn't happened the Guardian yet. Angel I love Mr. Guardian Man. Angel
0: Gideon Goddard Terry Colby Challenge Beast has returned as well Oh yeah what
1: a classy guy he is classy. Top me off Yeah he
0: likes uh, What does he like He likes just a, a pinch of sweet and low He's a sweet and low kind of guy Yeah he
1: also likes teddy bears
0: <laughs> Yeah we don't want to talk <laughs> like about HJ. Yeah, yeah we don't want to talk about his, uh, his teddy bear habit uh, <laughs> Uh, and I also I, I'm a little nervous About the idea Of sweet and low Given some of the things That Terry Colby Has talked about Yikes
1: in the past. Let's not go there Let's not go no there No
0: pinching No al- rolling Always great to see uh, To see Bruce Altman As Terry Colby On this show and, and Michael Gill As well as Gideon Goddard I mean I really like Those characters a lot So it's nice to see them here
1: I'm just I, I love that Mr when, you, when Mr. Robot The show Likes a character Even if they take them Off the show You can have some feeling That they're going to Find ways to work them Back in And I really appreciate That about this show, if a character that you really like is out of the story in some way, they find ways to revisit elements of those characters or scenes with those characters. So they're never really gone. They're never really gone. They're
0: always in our hearts. Gives me, uh, gives me hope that we will see Trenton and Mowgli again yes. at some point in time. Yeah, I think we could, you know, I think that there could be a flashback involved. Josh, God forbid gonna, a flash sideways. We're going to reset the no, brother. They're God, coming right, right back. Well, we're going to talk about that because I'm getting worried. I'm getting a little nervous, uh, but we're going to talk about the full scope of of this episode, we'll make some predictions about where we think we might be going here for the finale. We'll take a little bit of your feedback as well. Some of you guys sent in some great questions that we'll get to along the way. We'll talk about some of the some of the moments that uh, are coming to fruition that we had already predicted. I don't know if you want to. Should I pat you on the back while you pat me on the back about triple DP?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that teddy came bears true for sure. That's What's come happening. true. That's yeah, come true DDP has happened. You know, it, in a different way than we anticipated, sure. but we we called it sort of. We called it, sort
0: of. So that's happening. We'll talk about all of that. Of course, as always, if you have not done so already, though it's getting pretty late into the season at this point, so I was going to say maybe not bother, but definitely bother. Please bother. We would like you to subscribe. We would like your ratings. We would like your reviews. It helps us tremendously in terms of getting our Mr. Robot podcast discovered by new listeners. PostShowRecaps.com slash robot is the way to find us on iTunes. Honest ratings and reviews.
1: Honest ratings. are appreciated. I don't want to go too hard into a tease, but I think we might have some fun stuff coming up the rest of this season. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> it just depends on if White Rose returns our call. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: we're hacking the White Dark Army's computers time. we're working on. Stage three Yeah, is we might
1: get like three-minute podcasts with White Rose. <laughs> so let's
0: let's talk about this episode. Let's talk about the penultimate episode here of season three and kind of just broad strokes and just sort of the long view of this episode. Like, where do you want to begin? What are kind of your takeaways of, of where we are as we've got, you know, one hour and change? Probably it'll be a little bit of a long Longer episode, this finale. I would imagine, maybe not. Um, what do you What do you want to What do you want to start chewing on? How do you want to begin this thing?
1: Well, I think it's important to begin at the beginning in terms of why we have this flashback scene where we go back to all safe and we see the hiring of a, a tiny company by all by all accounts, a, a company that doesn't really make that much sense. That would be handling a large company like E Corp's security. Why did that happen? This feels like they're filling in a, a hole there in the story, but it also feels like there might be some some plot heavy lifting that's going on here. And it speaks perhaps to a larger theory that we've talked about on this podcast involving Philip Price and Angela. But it also speaks to the possibility that what we see in this episode where Philip Price may have had a small hand in the 5-9 hacks. He may have known that they were coming. He may have been okay with them happening. He may have been involved in some way in getting them go, to go forward. So I think this is an important place to start because it does inform a lot of what happens in this episode, a lot of what we've talked about previously, and a lot of what may be to come in the finale episode of Mr. Robot. Yeah,
0: I think that we've been speculating at least for a few weeks now, and really even in season two, kind of wondering where things are going with the Price and Angela connection And season three has seemingly crystallized that a bit more for you and I, for a bunch of other listeners as well. I think you and I are now on that same wavelength that, uh, you know, if before you were wondering, and I mean the royal you, not you, Antonio, that there was maybe something more of like a romantic interest in Angela or some sort of obsession that is closer to that realm, I'm feeling like we've stepped away from that, and to me it really does feel like there is um, there is a paternal connection Bur- Perhaps and quite likely, quite literally, between Price and Angela, we'd heard about this mysterious benefactor right. back in episode six in the in the opening scene that begins at Angela's mother's uh, going away party Yikes. of sorts. If that's See how you, you want in another life, yeah, if that's how you want to describe it, that there was this benefactor who was willing to to help her out, and that was denied. And Angela's father, uh, at least um, adoptive father, we don't know what we want to call that. Uh, that guy seemed to be really. Rubbed wrong by the idea of this Benefactor and I think that this scene Here in the beginning where Angela comes in and Terry Colby's Obviously being awful as he's been to Angela in the past Uh, it's Nice to know that that had Some some history you know his first experiences With Allsafe that's exactly how He played it so at least there's consistency There Um, but while he's being Kind of rude towards Angela And looking at her as Though she is uh, you know A secretary and not actually you know, uh, one of the analysts who works here at Allsafe and somebody who is just, you know, an assistant really here to go and fetch his coffee, uh, Price is spending that whole moment kind of just, you know, his eyes are lingering on Angela as though he knows her already. It doesn't read to me as just like an immediate fixation where some like cheesy, like lovey-dovey music would start playing if he's just fallen in (laughs) love on the spot. He knows her is the sense that you get.
1: Right, yeah, and it's show, don't tell because we're not getting a lot of actual narrative or dialogue about this. It is very much in the lingering shots on his face as he's watching her in the room. It's very much in Michael Christopher's performance it's very much in the music cue that it was playing. It's not what you said. It's not like, wouldn't it be nice? It's not like, you know, uh, it's not teddy bears and HJs, but what it is, is it's soft music. It's not the kind of music that we've typically seen with Philip Price. It's great work by Matt Quayle and the scoring of this scene. And I think it does serve to underscore the fact that there is something going on with Philip Price when he notices Angela. And, and I, this, as I said, the scene does serve two purposes, though, because as we find out subsequently in this episode... Philip Price might have been okay, or in fact, have controlled the fact that 5 9 happened. And I got to imagine if that's the case, then the, the idea that All Safe would be hired at all was part of that equation. We don't know from this scene whether Elliot was working at All Safe yet or not. We, we would assume probably not, because Halloween before the hack, Elliot, I think, is just beginning, or Angela will be getting him a job at All Safe. So this seems to be taking place prior to that. I think the relationship, I don't. No, because we see a walkthrough with Terry Colby and Well and and Wellick in the early parts of season one that would almost seem like we just started working on your account. So Elliot may have just are may have already been working at uh, at E Corp at this time. So it may not just be that Price wants to scope out Angela. Price may have been here picking all safe because he was planning the five nine hack.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. We'll we'll chew on that more when we get to you know some of what Price is saying when he shows up at Terrell and Elliot's um, uh, at Terrell's home. While Elliot is there in full robot Mode Uh, but for now uh, No happy endings necessarily In sight certainly not for Terry Colby Uh, but Price Is decisive here you know he is very Determined all safe we're going to go with them Uh, We want the contract Executed immediately and Both Terry Colby and Tyrell are going to be very reluctant About this and very confused about this And it's a great scene between Price And Wellick where I'm sorry I don't Even know your name as Tyrell is really mm-hmm. trying to assert Himself here uh, This future CTO of yeah. E-Corp Really trying to make a mark here trying to, trying to make an impression on Price And Price is not here for, uh, for Any counsel, certainly not from Someone as young and unimpressive As Tyrell Well.
1: Well, in a very weighty scene Knowing what we know about how the 5-9 hack Was executed and how Tyrell Was a huge part of that, Tyrell's The one telling, telling Philip Price, I hope it doesn't come back to Haunt us. Not, I think fully like clear eyes, full hearts at that point, trying to do a good job for E Corp. I don't want us to get hacked. I don't want this tiny company to screw us over. I mean,
0: like th- 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 even if he's clear eyes, full hearts, he's probably still like hitting homeless people at this. Fair point enough. in his yeah, life. Bum, like, I don't think funny, like even yes. the clear eyed, full heart version of Terrell Welk is still a blue latex glove murder machine.
1: Yes, exactly. In the making. He's still a least. Swedish scumfuck. Right. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. But Jeez. <laughs> hard F. Hard oh my F. God. Oh my but God. It's funny because it, it, he ends up being the guy, right? He ends up being a huge part of that. So he's the, he's Blowing the whistle here on a thing that he's Later the person who pushes across the finish line So I think that that's fascinating and you're right He's already angling for the CTO Probably spot, uh, Terry Colby's A dinosaur, it's pretty well known He's wearing his phone and his belt when we first see him In season one, he doesn't know shit about shit And we know Wellick's a real up and comer But uh, Philip Price really has a way Of putting him in his place in multiple scenes In this episode, so it's, it's, fu- it's Fun to see that from a circular Standpoint as well uh, Yeah, Poor Tyrell, poor Tyrell, do you feel Bad for Tyrell Josh because in the modern day storyline, we see Tyrell, he's out of trouble apparently. He's been bailed out of everything. We're, we're a couple of weeks after he was from hunted up, to hero. From hunted to hero, Tyrell Wellick. Like he's her park bait, if ever I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Tyra Wellick is a very basic white man, so that'll I be Kurtz Alley. Yeah, but he's sad about the ba- empty bassinet and the picture of Joanna. But this is a this is a terrorist. How bad do you feel for Tyra I Wellick?
0: don't feel awful for him, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Yeah, no
1: tears for Muhammad Atta.
0: You know, there's it's 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 hard to feel to feel for me it's it's You know, I feel I feel for anybody who is going through like a tremendous loss like that. And I think Martin Wallstrom sells the performance very well. You know, watching him fall apart when he comes home and Joanna's purse is just sitting there on the couch. uh, And, the you know, the bassinet, like you say, it's there. And he hasn't even really uh, had a second to to meet his child. He's watched him from afar. It sounds like the child is is gone, has like been integrated into the system. Is he going to they give him to the White Walk? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah Crasters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, they still, I mean, this is, this is Crasters creep for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it's, it's, it's hard to feel totally bad for him, even though the performance is excellent, because this guy engineered the destruction of 71 buildings and thousands and thousands of people, and those deaths have been pinned on two people who we really like that we know were not responsible for those attacks. And it doesn't seem like he feels that bad about. About that right you know he's going to Have a scene with robot here Where they're going to really go back and forth about Like how they've both been used But there's a there's a lack of Emotional responsibility For what they what they did there it's More they're they're furious about being Wronged they're furious about uh, Having their revolution hijacked And now they want to figure out how they can uh, Be useful in response And decisive in response and Get some revenge and have some Vengeance Uh, and and that's all well and good and great for the story. But for me, like we are nowhere near out of the woods in terms of Tyrrell Wellick as a dirtbag. I, I really do have a hard time sympathizing with him.
1: Yeah, so do I. And I know the show is interested in painting characters like Wellick and Santiago and others who are perhaps more of the evil type characters with multiple shades. We know Santiago's mom is sick, for example. We're seeing this stuff with Tyrell and his baby that, that humanizes them in a way. But it's a lot of heavy lifting, for sure. And It's not to say that the show isn't successful There are probably people who do feel bad for Tyrell But I I have a hard time personally feeling bad for Tyrell And I appreciate though that the show is juxtaposing The stuff that we see young Tyrell, the up-and-comer Tyrell With the Tyrell that is sort of looking down on what he's wrought But feeling it in a much more personal way So I I do think the show has some heavy lifting to do in that regard But I appreciate that they're trying to do it Speaking of heavy lifting though, Josh this This episode also did a very interesting thing With the timelines With shifting the narrative With the timelines And we get into this In this next scene With Elliot Elliot's waking up From a period Where Mr. Robot Had taken over We see Scrawled on a mirror In soap They own the FBI And what we What unfurls after this Is a a jumping back and forth What did Mr. Robot Do the night before And we're going to see Those scenes But we're also going to see Elliot taking action In the present day What did you think Of the narrative structure Of this episode And do you think That added anything To the, the, the episode over Overall, Did you feel like the episode played better because we were disjointed in the timeline in this episode? you feel more like Elliot here?
0: Well, I do. Look, if, the, if Elliot and Mr. Robot, for whatever reason, are not ready to reintegrate, and that seems more like an Elliot thing than a Robot thing, though I think Elliot right now would entertain a conversation with Mr. Robot. And for whatever that reason, that bullet did a lot of damage, and they just have not been able to meet yet. I'm sure that they would love to have that conversation, yeah. um, but, you know, Robot is... You know He's his own character and he has his own Agency and he has his own way Of doing things that's very destructive uh, That is radically different from the way That Elliot operates and I think That it's more in line With the way that Terrell Moves and it's something that we talked about last Week was like the possibility of some Coming together of the Avengers of Mr. Robot and I don't think that we're there Right now I also don't think that That's necessarily super realistic to To even get to because of how Some of these people operate and how Um, how much blood some of them have on their hands. I don't know how Elliot makes good with Tyrell Wellick after everything that's happened there anyway. So I think it's important... um To have Robot interacting with that character Rather than it being Elliot right Now and I also like that We still don't know the full extent of how The rest of that night went between the two Of them you know they're gonna talk about how uh, The Dark Army owns the FBI and that's what we're kind of building to There and then Mr. Robot's gonna go back To Elliot's apartment and then he's gonna start Snapping back into being uh, Elliot you know and he's gonna Scrawl that message on the mirror but Who knows like you know Elliot is gonna Fabricate a stage three in this episode, who the heck knows uh, who the heck knows what Robot and Terrell have already hatched? There might be some plan that we're not fully aware of yet. So I like that. I think that having that, um, that time gapping accomplishes some action in that in that regard.
1: Yeah, and the jumping around does also serve to really make the episode feel disjointed. I, I, I did feel like Elliot a little bit, like not knowing at times, like where are we? When is this happening? I, I didn't think it was abundantly clear. I think it's easy enough to follow once you pick up the through line of the action but I think that the, the structuring of that really did help in that regard as well So not only are they adding to the mystery like you're saying But I think they're just adding to the overall feel of the thing is that the dark army, Josh? Is that the dark army? We can't answer that. We right can't answer now. that. If we only answer knocked doors there, on this podcast. <laughs> we are
0: not dealing with any doorbells here. This is uh, this is not the RHAP studios going on right yeah,
1: now. Yeah, no, no. But apologies uh, for the bells. I just uh, I really think that that the episode structure was interesting. And I, I think that it does it, it serve purposes with flashbacks, and we're saying slamming the flashback of young Tyrell in with the, the scene with modern Tyrell. But you're right about Elliot. Like I think he would entertain a conversation with robot At this point and we saw earlier this season When Mr. Robot is talking to Krista When he's saying like I'm seeing Things that he should be seeing so I think Robot is interested in that too and we Saw in episode six When uh, Elliot was making his Plea on like notepad basically I like, will listen we're, there, we're being owned we're, we're. So Elliot has ways that He could possibly persuade Mr. Robot I think the idea that Mr. Robot's Revolution has been hijacked and the Dark Army is their enemies instead of their, their allies is persuasive. And Mr. Robot has seen the, the stuff that, that he's seeing again in this episode where, where Irving showed it to him last episode, where it's his perspective that 5-9 only happens, the cyber attacks only happen because these really, really rich po- and powerful people, the 1% of the 1%, they really want it to happen. And when you take down a company like E-Corp, you don't actually hurt those people. They find a way to continue to grind on and make money and grind all of our souls into a crooked slant but it's all of us who are screwed and that's what I think Elliot has really centered himself on throughout the course of this season we saw his monologue at the beginning of this season but that point is really finally I think sinking in with Mr. Robot and they haven't Elliot and Mr. Robot haven't talked about that fact but they're really kind of on the same page when it comes to that so it is interesting that stage 3 is hatching from that same point from both of them and it's really seemingly born out of a, a one sentence screed scroll like it's like just and what scrawled on a, on a mirror in soap Like the Dark Army owns the FBI And that, that puts off in Elliot This idea that we need to take action Against the Dark Army, Mr. Robot's Already on that page because of the things that have happened So I think it's fascinating that the show Is editing them apart and is Presenting these things in different timelines When in reality they're very much on the same page
0: They're very much on the same page uh, Though I think that their methods, I'm still not Convinced are going to be aligned
1: Yeah, that will be interesting to find out if their methods are the same
0: You know, I think that, you know, Robot is Pretty cool with working with the guy who Organized 71 buildings To be destroyed and thousands of people To get killed and I don't know that Elliot would would Be cool with that yeah I think
1: think that's a great observation That you made that you cannot bring the Elliot character in concert With Tyrell but I think it is Important that Tyrell and because This is a key piece of information that Tyrell Delivers to Robot in this episode About Santiago that's the thing That sets all this off and that doesn't happen If Mr. Robot's unwilling to talk To Tyrell or if Elliot is and so there are these Things that have to happen that Elliot maybe Is going to be unwilling or incapable of doing That he needs Mr. Robot for and I think That's a fascinating way that the show Is making that clear
0: so Mr. Robot is going to like emerge from the Shadows at Tyrell's Apartment and they're going to get into a little bit of A fight and Tyrell's like I've lost everything Because of you my son's been taken to Denmark my wife is dead Something's rotten in Denmark something is rotten in Denmark you don't go from the most wanted Man on the planet to hero unless the Dark army has plans for you is what Mr. Robot Is trying to compel Tyrell to understand He's telling Tyrell that he is a Puppet to which Terrell responds
1: No puppet, no puppet, you're the puppet uh, Why does it say "I roll In large caps in your notes?
0: On my notes, because I rolled my eyes really hard <laughs> Look, you know, there have been some Clever, you know, digs at Donald Trump in this show In this season, they've certainly been interacting With the fact that that is Where our reality exists uh, The ideas of alternate realities That are potentially in play In Mr. Robot right now uh, And when they're natural and they're organic Like when you can set a scene at Mar-a-Lago I'm good with that Uh, But like actually just like taking like an iconic Like much to my chagrin to say Like an iconic thing from the presidential debates That Donald Trump said And plugging that into Tyrell Wellick as a character Just feels inorganic to me It really took me out of the moment You didn't notice it apparently No, but
1: I'm sure I'm in the minority on that In terms of people maybe not noticing or not I think some people had
0: fun with it And like, is it fun? Sure, it's fun But I just feel like, you know, I don't know At the expense of kind of taking Me out of what is otherwise a really important moment Of these two characters meeting Together so I don't know it was just a Little bit of a it just did not Land with me does this
1: mean Tyrell's gonna go Golfing for the next like fucking 90 days (laughs) Relax relax sorry now I'm Triggered
0: (laughs) okay all Right (laughs) well let's get back on let's get back On those those
1: views are mine and mine Alone I don't speak for anyone relax
0: anyway so Speaking of triggered obviously Mr. Robot is triggering Tyrell uh, And he's talking about how these Are the people that are in charge and we were pawns in their game and they're just going to leave us dead in the streets just like your Joanna and as soon as he says that Blue murder gloves come back. BMGs, baby. BMGs are
1: BMG bad. Record Club. Yeah. yeah, here we are. That, I know that you probably, when you saw those, you had my exact reaction, like, oh my God, there's the blue murder gloves. Like, this is bad. This is Sharon Knowles territory. This is beaten up Bum's territory. This is not great. This is, Tyrell knew where they were. He had like a special place for them. He went right and got them. And I, I thought this was, you don't talk about my wife, but Robot continues to press the buttons here. He's pressing the buttons
0: because I think he He likes this you know Robot can handle a little bit of pain We've seen him handle a lot of bit of pain Don't forget back in the season 2 Secret prison days when he Took a whole (laughs) a whole bunch of Hits for Elliot while Elliot was busy enjoying like some TGIF misadventure yeah Uh, So like he's cool with this like this is fine And I think he wants to he wants to He wants to awaken the warrior In Tyrell again like if he really wants To stand a chance at getting one over on the people who just got seventy one over on him. He wants Tyrell sharp and angry and ready to go. And if that requires a punch to the face, he's totally good. I don't know what his plan was. <laughs> if it wa- if it wasn't for the fact that and maybe it was Philip Price who rang the doorbell. That's bell what before. I was just going to say. You you know, like I'm a little freaked out now. You know, like I don't know what I don't know what his plan was. If Price hadn't shown up and rang the doorbell, uh, was he just gonna you know was he was he gonna I don't know I don't know I don't I like yeah. Mister Robot in terms of his crazy energy in a fight. But Tyrell's got that, too, and he is a lot more fit. I watched him cut those trees in half. Yeah, I bet you did. I
1: think you watched him over and over. Yeah, I don't know what the plan exactly was. But he says, like, there you go. Like, fight. That's the Tyrell. That's that's who I've been missing. So he does seem to be wanting to wake up this angry Tyrell. And there is a point to that. We've seen Mr. Robot appeal to people's different natures in different ways and directly confront people with guns or use hostile terms to to confront people People and you mentioned the Miller Boyette Episode but Mr. Robot was Making a very emotional kind appeal To Elliot in that episode so he does seem to be Able to switch up his message based On what he thinks the audience or the receptor Needs and I think what he's really trying to do Here is get Tyrell fired up but I don't know if he was ready to stop that fight I don't Know but it doesn't matter because we had Philip Price showing up knocking At the door or ringing the doorbell I guess As it were good
0: evening Mr. Alderson Please join us. he knows Elliot on site After all you were part of this too which is it's a little unnerving because it's Christian Slater uh, that we're seeing. We're not seeing Rami Malek in any of these scenes, but we're seeing Philip Price talking to Elliot. So you're kind of having to make that connection for the first time in a little while, or at least it felt that way to me. We'll dig into it more in a little while because we're going to go to Elliot and Darlene at F Society. But once this happened, I was just I was super excited yes. because we were finally going to be getting a scene between Price and Elliot. Not in the way that I would have expected it. I really would have expected it to be Rice and our Elliot, the Rami Malik Elliot, um, but just to have these Two guys in the same room together at All, and it certainly suggests to me That this is the first time that they're In a room together, uh, unless you feel Differently.
1: No, it is, it is, and I think We, you, we had, when Everybody get their shots ready, when you had asked Corradana earlier in the season, why Didn't we get to take Elliot to the Evil Corp party, how could you deny us Seeing Elliot in that environment Corradona suggested there was something that Might have been in that scene, that they wrote, that they shifted, that they took out of that the episode and maybe they saved for a later moment. And I believe you directly, openly speculated on this podcast that it was probably Elliot meeting Philip Price. And here we have Elliot meeting Philip Price. I love the way that this is staged. We first see Philip Price in, I think, a reflection or like a shadow. He's looming as he's outside the door. And then when he walks into the room before he says, good evening, Mr. Alderson, we see Christian Slater bloody kind of coming up off the ground saying, holy shit, Shit like that's the audience's Reaction that's my reaction I felt a jolt of electricity in that Moment and I, it was great to see that Play out on Christian Slater's face as well And that, that holy shit like Whispered line holy shit was beautiful
0: It was also kind of a, a Big moment for me like kind Of a wow that we were suddenly back At F Society uh, in the next Scene yeah. when, we, when we cut to Elliot. When we cut to Elliot and Darlene and they're back in Coney Island and they're back where this all started Where this whole operation took place I don't know if that was me being naive But uh, I just it never occurred to me That we would we would really go Back there and in Thinking that through a little bit this is where Elliot and Darlene They're going to start talking about uh, Elliot's going to fill Darlene in basically on what Trenton's plan was that Romero Had uh, I mean this is like a Total layperson version of what Romero has but he has equipment on his Computer that potentially could Have decrypted the um, That could that could solve the decryption problem Of the five nine hack but but that material is now located with The FBI and the Dark Army owns The FBI so we can't trust them and there Is some uh, you know some shenanigans That we will have to go through there and so Ellie and Darlene are kind of hatching their plan and How Darlene has an angle into How she can access Sentinel The Fort Knox of closed networks um, A lot of people I Think especially given the way that the episode Is going to go for Darlene In particular are nervous For Darlene's safety And I'm among those people I'm like cautiously optimistic that Darlene will survive season three. Although I know a lot of people are very, very worried otherwise, but it really only occurred to me very recently, like as we were gearing up to talk about this scene, um, how quickly we forget that there was like an entire cold open in season two, Devoted to the idea that the that the location of F Society's headquarters is like a haunted death Uh, death place. Yeah. Like so many bad things have happened to the people who were here. Like everybody who ever owned it has died, basically. Now even Mobley is dead. And this was after he had found Romero. You know, this was, you know, in, in light of that. This idea that this place is cursed. So is this another cursed plan? Is this another doomed plan? Should we be worried about
1: that factor? Yeah, I mean, everyone we know... That has been in that arcade Except for Elliot, Tyrell And Darlene as part of F Society Or The Hack is dead Everyone who is part of these plans is dead And that's Romero and Mobley And Trenton but we also know about the the dark History of this arcade So I hadn't even thought of that but I'm certainly I'm certainly paralyzed with fear Now Josh like uh, I can't move my head We're going to be stuck the rest of this podcast Just like this which is weird because it's on your Shoulder right now but it is odd That uh, I'm just kidding it is it's, odd. Not on my it's not. It is odd that that's that that's that that's a thing. That's definitely a thing. But look, that's not the only signpost on Darlene possibly being a victim here. I took her in our death draft and I'm already feeling guilty about it, but I did that because of the vengeance pact in part. We had the sworn vengeance pact between Elliot and Darlene in a random scene earlier this season when they're walking Flipper. Oh, should we form a vengeance pact in case anything happens to either one of us? You would get revenge, right? A vengeance pact. That is that the thing we we can make it a thing, they made it a thing we talked about whether that was Chekhov's vengeance pact, and here we are um, there is just also the context of this scene, not just that the fact that it's in the arcade, but what they're talking about when we talk about hacking Sentinel, Elliot is worried. Elliot is basically saying, like, you, you can't go to the FBI. You can't do this. The dark army owns them. And Darlene is saying, you got to trust me. You can, you, I'm miles ahead of you. I can do this. And Elliot, perhaps against his better judgment, says, all right, we're going to try it your way. You do it. But if you have any sign of trouble, you bail. Well, we see by the end of this episode, bailing's not going to be an option for Darlene. So Elliot was already worried about the very scenario that we end up with. So all of those things combined, I I mean, I understand that... Darlene is probably would welcome the sweet embrace of death in some respects because of the things that have happened to her. We've seen her guilt play out over the course of this season. We know that losing Cisco was a major problem for her. We know that she's had a lot of issues processing everything that's happened. On the other hand, they maybe now have the ability to hit the reset button to a certain extent. And a lot of the things that they're feeling guilty for, yeah, they can't unstick these deaths on Trenton and Mobley that they're probably responsible for. No, they can't Bring Cisco back to life but yes they Can perhaps find on- A Cisco impersonator <laughs> Yeah, That's what I was going to say Find a bodega Cisco On the streets and just like turn him in That's what they're looking for no but maybe They can do some of these things so maybe there's a note Of uh, positivity that you Could pursue here but it doesn't seem like it's Headed in that direction Josh
0: doesn't Seem like it uh, and just to clarify The the Fort Knox of closed yeah, Networks this is great. This of it is- all once again Take a drink Donna in my THR column with him, asked him about that for the technologically impaired, what does Elliot plan to achieve? His answer was really fun. He said, first of all I can't tell you how paranoid I was about ending up on some government watch list for researching how to hack Sentinel. Even with the precautions we take, I'm sure that my tech consultants and I are probably already on some list. Sentinel is a confidential network and system where the FBI keeps their evidence. It's only accessible with special FBI hardware and it's near impossible to get in Without an FBI agent's PKI card Since the NYPD collected All of Romero's computer hardware From his home after they found him dead They also took those keystroke loggers That we learned about last week The NYPD handed over Romero's evidence To the FBI So that keystroke logger data Is now sitting in Sentinel But the FBI can't open those keystroke logger files Because Romero password protected them If Elliot can get into Sentinel He might be able to access That keystroke logger data Which might help him unlock All of the debt records that that were encrypted on the night of the 5-9 hack. So that's what's in place. Those are the stakes. Elliot is going to have designs on that. Darlene is gonna volunteer herself to be the person who is on the Sentinel mission because she has an in, and we will talk about that in very shortly. But first Stage 3? Stage
1: 3, let's do it Let's do stage 3, we can do that uh, I, This is, we talked about The weird timeline in this episode But Elliot knows that the FBI is owned Elliot is talking about What is happening with Darlene We're not shifting the timeline, we're going right From this arcade scene to What is Elliot's next action Which we see Irving Being Irving, this is prime Irving In this car, he is, he is Using the, he is tailoring the message uh, To the the recipient like he is want to do with his various mugs and various approaches and he has a recent divorcee in the car with him and boy he is uh, he's saying some interesting stuff he's putting it on
0: Uh, anything appropriate that we could say that he is uh, he's just kind of
1: growling why don't you open her up you know what to do he's a growler he's a growler for sure oh my gosh yeah Yeah, this is uh, I mean for for anybody that's uh, that's an Irving Stan this has got to be a great scene
0: I really enjoyed uh, the uh, you, you talked about full circle before and there's a lot of that there's a lot of loops that seem to be on the way towards closing and this is a minor loop that's closing but in the very first episode of the season when Irving uh is you know you know when he basically gets the the Pursuing FBI to shut hack, down, right? yeah. And Elliot basically does the same deal yep. here, where he gets the the tourists to to shut down, and then climbs into the back. Uh, I thought that that was really fun, and it does feel like we're closing the loop on some of these things uh, as we're moving towards the end of the season, at the very least. Uh, and Elliot, he comes in, Irving kicks the the lady out of the car, sends her back to the dealership. Yeah, bang a left, bang a left, uh, bang a and, and so Elliot shows up, and he's saying, "Stage three, do what you do, and set the meat." With White Rose uh, And he says if you don't do this I'm going to be I'm going to have to be the one who tells your employer that you screwed With the timeline uh, which I believe Is is close to a direct quote And I hate it when they're talking about screwing with the timeline Because they're just <laughs> screwing with the me at this point uh, But he's, he's setting up A meet he wants to talk to White Rose and clearly We're going to find out that he's got a, a Plan up his own sleeve of why He wants to take this meet with White Rose I don't think Elliot Has any illusions that he will actually Be meeting with White Rose
1: directly I'm not sure About that I, I do think he wants to to meet with White Rose directly. I'm not sure about whether he has illusions or not. He doesn't seem to Well, he has illusions. That. Illusions, Michael. <laughs> yes. Tricks are something that uh, they do at a bar where Darlene and DDP are meeting up. Speaking of tricks up people's sleeves, uh, I think DDP is initially thinking that she's going to get some information out of Darlene. Darlene has proffered perhaps something valuable, but Darlene seems to be wanting to just run some kind of swipe where she's, she's running a quick scan, but maybe we would call it like a skimmer that kind of thing where she's doing RFID near field kind of thing to take the information off of DDP's ID, DDP ID. That doesn't work, DDP ID PKI. That doesn't <laughs> oh work. God. That doesn't work very Too well. Much. That, doesn't, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't work very well. Ultimately, we see Darlene retreat to the bathroom after their initial banter that the badge didn't scan. It didn't work. Uh, and so Darlene has to go to plan B, and this is where we get into the DDP of it all.
0: Yeah, so this is exciting. This is something that you and I have been talking about for a long time, at least as far back as uh, the the Dom and white Rose scene from uh, from season two when she's in China and kind of opening up a little bit about her own history was you know we used to talk about was Darlene the you know potential fiance was this uh, was this her potential lover back in the day, and then season two bared out that that was certainly not the case that you know they had, they were just meeting for the first time in season two. Um, but they have developed rapport. Uh, not Ben Rappaport, who is the actor who plays Ollie. Uh, they are, you know, they've developed some, so, you know, some semblance of chemistry through their relationship as, um, you know, as the agent and the informant, as the, you know, as the superior and as the person who is basically the source. Uh, and there is going to be a little bit of social engineering on Darlene's part here. Who knows about Dom and her preferences and everything like that. And is going to realize, okay, so I can't swipe the information the way that I wanted. But and she like takes a beat when she's in the bathroom alone. Like, am I going to yeah, do this? Take the shirt off? Yep. I'm going to do this. Yep.
1: She takes her sweater off. She's going to go into this next mode, Plan B, uh, Plan B DDP, which is not ultimately what she wanted to do, but she's willing to do it. And she's doing. She's taking advantage of something that she gained earlier when she met with DDP. Maybe in the same bar, but certainly in a bar where she got a little bit of information out of DDP. We're doing this my way, she said. And we speculated at the time: Is she trying to get perfect personal information from DDP, maybe to get password information and do the kind of thing Elliot's often doing with password hacking. And that's not the case. But she still socially engineered enough information out of DDP, knowing, for example, that DDP is a lesbian, knowing that DDP, or at least that she enjoys the company of women, knowing that DDP is a little lonely and that things aren't necessarily working out for her in that world. And then there is a connection, as you point out, not only a connection that developed between the two of them, but a connection that exists just because they're both Jer- they're both from Jersey. Jersey girls. Yeah. DDP at one point says, I know this girl. Like I know her. I am her. Like there is a connection, even though it's not direct between the two of them, because they are very similar and they are both lonely. They are. This is the kind of connection outside of their FBI world that you could see happening organically in in many respects. So it makes sense that Darlene's able to take advantage of a thing that she knows is there and that she recognizes is there. And it it is something that certainly made me feel a little uncomfy knowing that Darlene Darlene had a secondary agenda here And that's what the secondary agenda was DDP is a character I've grown to really like and Love, so, yeah, love and, DDP Yeah, and in some ways she's representing Like this heroic center of the show Where she is combated She's placed directly against Santiago And the dirty FBI And everything that is bad About what's happening with the Dark Army She's trying to do good And that is really rough To know that she's going to be manipulated By Darlene in this way Because it's rough to see characters that we like Really get screwed over and really be in a bad place. Speaking of which, Josh. Speaking of characters that we really like being in a bad place,
0: Angela is in a rough spot. She is. She is, shook. In, she is in a way. She is in a way. And she's a full-on bag lady. Yeah, she's having. She's having a hard time. So she is going to. She's going to show up to to talk to Elliot. Uh, she's going to come to Elliot's apartment, and Elliot is going to be asking her the questions that man, I would just love for her to answer. Man, well, you're so triggered by. Oh this. my God, you're I'm not. The only one I'm still so upset I'm Still so annoyed I real. I just like, like I mean I, I'm getting it a little bit more Now like in the current mental State that Angela is In like I understand her Not giving up the goods when Elliot is saying like you need to tell me what White Rose showed you what do you think Is happening and Angela says I can't Tell you that only White Rose Can do that and given Angela's State of mind her frame of mind I accept that but I Dislike it <laughs> like I don't care for it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can't even tell you if you thought that my my eyes rolled at the uh, the puppet puppet, no puppet line when she says, I can't tell you that I was so frustrated. That bothered me so much.
1: Yeah. Show don't tell. We'll find out. I think we'll have some more information about this. And if only White Rose can do it, we're going to have to see this play out. And I think we'll, we'll talk about this on this podcast, but I think we can we can see the ground being laid for what White Rose may be doing in, in the finale episode and why that might come to bear. So it, it seems to be that it could be coming They certainly have teased it throughout the season Angela almost told Elliot At the beginning of this season She she had to stop herself from doing it She got into the whole Do you think that you could possibly go back to the way things were And our parents are, are, are okay I think she did it in her office Like There have been these times throughout the season Where she's walked right up to that line And here she's saying I cannot show you only White Rose can So hopefully we will get that from White Rose But Elliot I think is he's woke to the to the nature of White Rose at this point. That White Rose is a manipulator, that she's an exploiter, that she exploited in specific Angela's feelings about her mom and and Elliot wanting their parents back and Angela saying that's never going to happen. Josh, I can't help but if we're going in on the Terry or, or on the Philip Price as Angela's father theory, think about how we've talked about Mr. Robot as a show where we don't have to go hard sci-fi for that to be an attempt at hard sci-fi. We don't have to, for example, press the reset button on a timeline to perhaps press the reset button on the hack by undoing the decry- the encryption. Right. So there are these alternative ways that we're finding to perhaps reset the story in, in, in the ways that the characters might be wanting to reset them in different ways. Angela's been searching for a lost parent this whole time. Is she going to find a lost parent, but maybe not just in the way that she thought?
0: Yeah, because Philip Price is responsible for the van that Picks her up later in this episode. It's sure. got to be right. <laughs> that's yeah. my that's my guess. The benefactor. But no, I think I think that that's a really good call and a really smart call in terms of like all these things that Angela wants uh, of undoing the damage that was done and can can the toothpaste be put back in the tube? Maybe not in such a literal way as far as uh, you know altering timelines and activating different um, you know alternate realities, but creating or improving upon the the current actual reality and. Uh, Clarifying and crystallizing realities And I think that there would be a real Symmetrical nature to the reveal Of Philip Price as Angela's Father when it is uh, you know, Angela's quest to find her Parent again she would just be you know she doesn't Realize that she's going to be discovering A different parent you know somebody who she was not Necessarily looking for
1: right and Elliot's mom Is alive somewhere now Elliot doesn't love His mom but that's an interesting part of the show that We haven't really explored I don't think we'll Get into that in this season but that's Hanging out there but I really like that it was At the beginning of this scene, the thing that triggered Angela was the headline about Tyrell being restored to the CTO position at E Corp, and she basically said, "Like we're we're going back to how this is supposed to be." Angela is perceiving these slightly similar changes in the timeline, quote unquote, as. Evidence that things are actually being Reset and I think that's fascinating because We see we talked about the bodega Cisco on the street later but We're seeing multiple versions of these Things playing out that are triggering her In that way and that make her feel like I have reason to believe that this is Actually happening when in Reality yeah things are changing maybe In the way that she's thinking but not directly In the way that she's thinking and she Is also mad paranoid like she's Saying there's people who are trying to stop This let's go inside so they go inside. Well,
0: a van rolls up to her, and she's very nervous about it. But like, much like Elliot in the very first episode of this whole show, who's like, "They're watching me. They're watching me." And then he screams at somebody, and it's not the people who he thinks are actually watching him. And then he gets scooped up by these spooks at the end of the first episode. Like, that's going to happen to Angela here. So, like, is she crazy, or is she crazy like a fox? You well, know?
1: yeah, and she already got black bagged once on the subway uh, and thrown into a van, right? So this is something she's experienced before. So it does. You can understand why she. She might feel like these things are ha- All this has happened before and all of it will happen Again like you can understand Why she's feeling that way so Yeah you're right it, it does it does really Trigger her in that way uh, But she is being manipulated for sure By White Rose and Elliot is at Least woke to that and speaking of Manipulation Josh this is the part where it's Really hard for me to watch the DDDP
0: Yeah I mean we go back we, we cut back and forth Between these two scenes uh, there's a lot of cutting Back and forth between all of the different storylines in this Episode uh, and we cut back Back to, to Dom and Darlene at the bar uh, I don't know how much more there is here That I want to say Other than like you know where this is going You know what, da- uh, what Darlene is doing um, You know they're scoping out All of the different people here at the bar She's talking about are you still single Wow we're going right back Into this conversation again uh, There's lots of talk about uh, About gingers that would make Patrick Bolton uncomfortable <laughs> There's the question <laughs> about right there. About the goth hipster in the corner Everything that's going there And at this point if it wasn't already pretty clear uh, where this storyline was heading. Uh, it's pretty clear here.
1: Yeah, DDP says is her social game is in her strong suit, which is interesting. She'd be really bad on uh, Mr. Robot Big Brother, which is a podcast I'll never record with Rob Sesternino. No,
0: Taryn, you're on it. I know you got this, Taryn. You've <laughs> you have our, you're, you've been deputized. You could put that together for sure. You and Rob can put that together. Uh, but we cut from that scene back to Elliot has brought Angela back up to his apartment, and lo and behold, they are not alone. Leon is there. Joey Badass yes. himself. Uh, sorry, dude, don't let me interrupt your flow uh, and Angela Is going to start really freaking out Like she's really losing it here Again of like uh, you've been Trying to listen to me and you're trying to trap Me and you've been trying to trick me you're Trying to stop her plan I thought You were on my side after all Of this she's still so committed to the white Rose plan uh, and She is going to leave of her own volition Even though Leon is kind of in a really intense Way being like she's got to go one way Or another One way or another good thing She goes you know one way ...rather than the other, but she's going to leave, um, and Leon is going to tell Elliot, you know, we got we to gotta get going. We got a tight schedule to maintain. Clearly, Leon is the Dark Army contact who's going to make this meet possible.
1: Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, I, and he, Joey Badass is fantastic. He's just sitting there smoking these trees, sitting on the couch, just looking like, looking like the incredible boss that he is. I, I'm, I'm thrilled any time we get to bring Leon back to this show, and it's funny because I feel like there was a time during the filming of Mr. Robot season three Where Joey Badass was on tour and had to cancel Some shows and he tweeted like Blame Sam Esmail for this shit like and I think it was probably because of this scene Oh really? Yeah (laughs) I would imagine because He's a key part of episode Seven and it doesn't so that seems like the kind Of thing you could schedule around when you're You're such a key part of an episode But this seems to me maybe like oh we Just decided oh we want to use Leon again So I'm all for that I cancel the concerts Put him on the show this guy's a star
0: I'm fine With that yeah series regular Temptation is too great Series regular for season four and I'm all about that uh, you know every year it seems like we're we're either adding a new character or we're promoting like a recurring to a series regular I would love for that to be the case you know Philip price from season one to full scale regular in season two white Rose gets promoted to series regular in season three I think that Leon is appropriate for the next step yeah stage that would four, be great stage yeah,
1: four we We'll get Leon and can we please have Wallace Shawn and as
0: well and do not not Sha <laughs> would be great too do not walk off of stage four do not cancel stage four uh, let's talk about Philip price we go Go back to the scene of at least a night earlier Sometime earlier The night that Mr. Robot went to Terrell's uh, apartment And Philip Price shows up as well And I didn't really know what to expect here From what Price was like. I thought maybe like, Price was going to be coming to them With some sort of plan as well Like I kind of thought the Avengers were assembling I thought something was going on there But no, I guess Price is just installing Terrell as the CTO of E-Corp And uh, after all of this time He gets what he wants Sarel is the youngest CTO in eCorp history. Uh, it was what he wanted in the very beginning of this entire show. He gets it after having lost so much. Uh, so uh, it's the it's the great uh, Cersei Lannisterism of ashes in your mouth, right? Like right. it's you know your joy has turned to ash uh, and. Tyrell isn't really necessarily At first uh buying That he is just being you know kind Of a puppet here as Mr. Robot Had pointed pointed out Uh but it's becoming Clear over the course of this conversation Um that you know he's not Here Price isn't here because He's out of moves it's that You're not worth
1: one Well Wellic oh Wellick. Wellick. yeah this Is awesome uh I you feel Bad for Tyrell I don't I mean I don't. I'm not saying I
0: feel puppet. bad for him, I'm explaining how he's feeling yes. I don't necessarily feel that bad for the guy
1: personally No, and I just love that Price is showing up to dunk on him Like, he's just going to show up and just, and I, personally I'm going to personally come down here Yeah, I mean, I just love that he's showing up for that And it, it is, it, Robot, I, I love what happens in this scene though Because Robot can barely muster it Price is walking away And Robot just sort of croaks like 5'9", F Society. You knew the entire time. This is the meekest I've seen, uh, Mister Robot. I think, uh, certainly, the meekest. Not by like a manipulative design. He's actually, I think, a little bit intimidated by Philip Price. But he's recognizing, I think, in part because of what Irving showed him with the uh, the one percent of the one percent, the upper crust of society, literally dancing and partying in the aftermath of the terrorist attacks. He's recognizing now that that, that this is something that Price probably had a hand in. And uh, he's right.
0: I think it's one of those things where like, uh, you know, you're furious with somebody. You're angry with somebody yes. and like you're talking to like your friend and like your confidant about like, oh, if I see him, I'm going to unleash upon him. I'm going to be so furious. I've got it planned. I'm going to tell him I cursed the day you were born. Pull out a real good Charlotte York on the guy. Uh, and then you get in front of the person and like the rage is there and it's simmering and it's in your belly and your heart is racing and the blood is coming up to your brain. And you're just a little bit slower to start Than you expected Like that's what I read from from Mr. Robot here Where he is meeting this upper crust guy Who he would like to uppercut But it's taking him a moment to wind up And work up to it Because like there is like an intimidation factor There's like the, the adrenaline is starting to kick in But it's not all the way there He also wants to hear out What Philip Price fully has to say And once Price's agenda is on the table And he's getting up and he's going It's like it's now or never time maybe this didn't go perfectly like you fantasized about but you got to talk you got to yeah. say something you got your elevator pitch this is your moment this is your moment and like robot is going to snap at him he's going to say five nine F-Society, you knew the entire time price says five nine yes not all the minutiae, of course since the cyber bombings the breadcrumbs haven't been difficult to follow uh, but he talks about how world ca- world catastrophes they're not caused by lone wolves like you they occur because men like me allow them and you happen to stumble into one of them them. um and robot is furious i am the one yeah i pushed the button He's i pushed, pushed the that. button John the button Lux was died. bad yeah. i pushed the button and price goes there you go again i i i oh, still so thinking like a lone wolf so tell me how i should be thinking like a leader i am a leader then where are your followers you can't force an agenda mr alderson you have to inspire
1: one. Oh yeah You gave me a little punch When you delivered that last it's line great. It's great It's so good but it's
0: so good But how much do you buy it Because we have seen Philip Price so furious himself Fairly recently You know In that Mar-a-Lago scene When uh, the cyber bombings Have occurred And he is so upset With White Rose Did not see that one coming That is a total blindside Hashtag total blindside But Should we buy Like the, the bravado And the confidence In here And like These things happen Because men like me Allow them Do you think that he still Fully believes that Does he still fully believe in his own power or as he is coming here and gutting Tyrell and saying, you are the CTO, but your obedience is your only job requirement? How much is that? Like how he actually feels versus like, is it a reflection of how he himself knows that he falls in the food chain where it relates to White Rose? Like yeah. how much damage has been done for this guy is what I'm kind of curious. Yeah. About.
1: Shit rolls downhill and he's certainly peacocking and he's taking out uh, a lot of the same things that White Rose has said to him or that Zhang has said to him on Elliot and Tyrell. So it is uh, there is a lot of that with Philip Price, and maybe he's not, when he's in the room with Zhang, the most powerful person in the world, but he certainly feels like he's more powerful than these two schmucks, and I think it's fascinating that he's pushing and pushing and pushing in a direction that ultimately, seemingly, is going to lead to problems for the Dark Army and White Rose. So you're, I think, suggesting that it might be bravado and that he might be pumping himself up. But I also wonder if he's, if he's winding them in a certain direction, if he's saying basically like, okay, you and I, like you're going to work at E-Corp, you, Angela works at E-Corp, he knows these things, but he wants to point Elliot Alderson back, is this brinksmanship? In other words, is it more than just bravado to put himself over and make himself feel better? And is it actually brinksmanship to point and direct Elliot and Tyrell in a certain direction? How much does he actually want to inspire Elliot to take action or Mr. Alderson to take action, knowing that Mr. Alderson probably is going to want to take action against the Dark Army after what's happened. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I think that there could be that element to it as well. Price is a pretty smart guy. Uh, a side note, Michael Christopher, MVP of season three, MVP of season three.
0: I mean, that's so hard to say. There's been so many people who have turned in such great work that I, I would not be I would not be comfortable assigning that award right now off the top of my head, first of all. Uh, but he's been I mean, he's been tremendous in every scene, as he always is. Uh, and he's really great in that scene specifically uh this past one that we just discussed i think he's just he's great and i and i do wonder like if this is him um starting the process of making a move and by saying like you're not worth a move he's actually making a move what is the move and then what is his plan for a counter Elliot move eventually um and it seems like he's probably making some kind of move with angela as well i think you and i agree just to fast forward a little tiny bit we can talk about it now that angela's gonna get um you know Know, approached by two guys in a van after she's talking to bodega cisco and she is like you and I, I think are on the same page that she's probably being taken to price what's his plan there is it just like he's been holding on to this for so long that he has to confess that i am your dad i am your father that's our empire strikes back moment that we're building towards he's gonna here. cut off angela's hand you know like what's going on here is angela that, you know he's well that's it's kind of a touchy subject price has already gotten his hand smacked so
1: hard fair enough that perhaps it has been removed yeah fair enough that, this, it is. Uh, you're right. He, he may be making a move here, but I think it's it's uh, there's a such nice symmetry. It would be if we're talking about these people as pawns in that greater game. And we've talked about them a lot, both Angela and Elliot and now also Tyrell. Uh, it's White Rose's people who picks up Angela at the end of season two. If it's Price's people that pick up Angela at the end of season three, it's game. It's game moves. It's moves back and forth. And by all rights, by the way, Price should what? Tyrell and Elliot dead. Why doesn't he just take them off the board? These are pawns that White Rose used against him. You could take these pawns at this point. Like, he could take them off the board easily. Instead, he's putting Tyrell, someone he knows worked with the Dark Army, back in place at E-Corp, and he discusses it. He says something like, "I've I've inherited you as part of a bad deal. Like, in other words, maybe it's something that White Rose even wanted, but he's coming down here specifically to manipulate them, or he sees the moment. But he didn't know Elliot would be there I don't think but he sees the moment I think to say to Tyrell like don't get in designs on anything like I, you are only my pawn that's it don't you're not anything else so I wonder how much he is actually taking some active agency in trying to control the people that he knows have been used against him in the past and I think it's fascinating to see that play out and I'm I just the reason I said MVP is every scene he's been in has made me really excited about the larger story and I think he's you're a a,
0: Philip Price man
1: I'm a Philip Price man no. and I shouldn't be A guy like that In the real price world guy You're a price guy A guy like that In the real world Is like my mortal enemy But uh, for whatever reason in this, uh, in this show Michael Christopher He is, does it for you Yeah he does it yeah. He does
0: it yeah. for you Alright well DDP and Darlene They're gonna do it For each other uh, Oh that's, boy That's about to happen In this next scene I don't, I don't really have Too much to, to weigh in on That we haven't Already talked about In terms of their Getting together I think we've Thoroughly covered that I think it's a great scene I know you uh, Mr. Robot Like really stood up And saluted you this week. Week.
1: Yeah, not on, not on purpose, certainly by accident, but uh, John Prine is one of my absolute all-time, all-time, all-time favorites, lifelong favorite. Like You're talking about family sitting around campfire playing guitar, singing John Prine favorite, and uh, for this to be what DDP does, somebody in that writer's room has incredible music taste, uh, and, and, and John Prine is, there's a great story about John Prine. He was a mailman in Chicago, and he was rising in the Chicago folk scene, I think in like 1971, and he was a kind of a nobody, but he, was starting to draw crowds and the Chicago Sun times sent out a kind of nobody Young reporter to go review this Nobody show and it Was Roger Ebert hmm. so like these two Giants passed in the night the
0: Mike Zahalski of the film critics yeah, six,
1: well, Two thumbs up uh, Yeah this is uh, this is ultimately Just it's a great it's John Prine is Incredible and what's really fascinating About this I texted you this picture There's a very famous recording of this song Angel from Montgomery that is a live Recording by Bonnie Raitt and if you want to look at a picture of Bonnie Raid from around that time, she looks a whole lot like DDP, Josh. Time travel confirmed. Time travel confirmed. Alternate realities and disguises and aliases, yeah. show
0: about a spy. Bonnie
1: Raitt, DDP. So that is all, all together. But yeah, I I still, even with the John Prine element, that's a real treat. It, it's just, it's so uncomfortable that knowing that Darlene is doing this, knowing what we know about DDP and how vulnerable and lonely that she is, seeing the things that we saw from her in season two when she's alone in that apartment, knowing how unlucky and in love she is that she would and and she's a really by the books agent like she is somebody who really does tend to play by the books except for when she took tyrell uh but ultimately she is a pretty uh, above board agent certainly compared to santiago and others on the show so she's really sticking her neck out here this is a, a great area for sure hooking up with what used to be a source and knowing that it's just manipulation so hard to watch
0: yeah yeah it's tough it's difficult. Uh, speaking of hard to watch, how about hard to like keep track of? We have this scene at Angela's apartment where she's like getting everything ready. She's talking to herself. She's talking about how we have to get moving. It's not safe here. We have to warn her. Clearly talking about White Rose. Does Angela have like a Ms. Robot going on right that, now?
1: That's what I had in my notes as well. Is she talking to Cordy? Like, who is she talking to?
0: Yeah, so I'm not sure who she's talking to. But there's a lot of, you know, uh, it's just like scattered material All over the room Like things that are Posted up Yeah Uh, I did not spend A lot of time Checking out What was around Uh, Donna advised I asked him How much time Would you advise Viewers to spend Pausing the screen In the scene Set in Angela's apartment He said One minute Two seconds One decisecond And eighteen centiseconds I don't know If he's trolling me Or if there's something (laughs) Actually there You seem to have uh, Stopped down Antonio And checked out Some of the stuff That's going on In Angela's apartment Yeah I
1: think It's a little bit evident Lolita in paperback form is there. And, uh, that is, that is there in part because it was there in the scene where Angela was interrogated at the end of season two in Python, the first part. And uh, there are a lot of other similarities to that scene. She's got a rotary phone there. She has, uh, she has the pictures that are on the wall. The faces are covered up much like they were in the hallway at the time that she walked down that hallway into that room where, where white Rose talked to her. So I don't know if she's trying to summon white Rose somehow, By recreating these circumstances She's also covered a lot of the stuff in her apartment In some form of plastic I don't know why she did that The Lolita thing uh, as well I believe that it's been used uh, in in code Uh, There are a lot of codes Where you can make ciphers Or break ciphers If people have the same copy of the same book You can do number ciphers And reference letters and words with those ciphers And I believe there's a story somewhere About Lolita being used in that way So I don't know if that's part of it at all This show's really deep in the ARG world in that regard, so that might be a little bit of a, an Easter egg or a shout-out in that way, but it was the book that was on the table. She also has the Hang In There poster, which was in the back of that room for whatever reason. I didn't see, Josh, if she had a koi that was dying, but she does have a fish. A
0: koi-a-donna? A a koi do not drink, don't no, that's drink. A a that's a half a shot. That's a half
1: a shot. Half shot. Yeah, uh, but th- she does have a fish. She does have a fish, so there are, there, are, there are these connections, and I don't know if that's her saying, like, the, the world's the same or not, but when she goes out into the street... And she meets with the the, the proto Cisco. Uh, it is. Uh, it all st- seems very familiar to her, and you can imagine why this all seems very familiar to her. She's recreating the familiar environment that she met. It, uh, there's a close encounters thing that's happening here. I think in some way she's she's building towers out of mashed potatoes.
0: Yeah. So we're gonna get uh, Elliot and Leon. They're gonna make the Leon's gonna make the connection to get Elliot to the Dark Army. Have we seen this guy Doctor Wang before? I don't think so. He's very mean. He is. shut the f up. Yeah. No questions. Bag. Just yeah. Just give the bag over. Yeah. Uh, and so this is all. This is all a ruse. This is all staged by Elliot, basically, right? I mean, like this is the stuff that Elliot knows that he's not. I, this is why I think Elliot does not think he's going to have a legitimate White Rose meeting. He's Fair. giving. He's giving them the computer. He's handing over the laptop. He's doing this in order to position himself to be able to take on the Dark Army's um, setup. Uh, and so this is. Now you can take a shot. Cora Donna talking to him for the THR column this week about, can you talk through exactly what it is that Elliot accomplishes here? Uh, so this is his response there. He says, so Elliot sets up a meeting with the dark army through Irving. He knows how paranoid they are about recording devices. So he thinks that they'll most likely confiscate his phone and or his laptop when he shows up to the meeting, especially if he says his stage three plans are on the machine that he brings with him. They take his laptop and install their own monitoring software. Think of it as a virus that gives them access To every file on his laptop Later in the episode, a Dark Army Operative reviews the contents of Elliot's Machine and opens the stage Three file that Elliot left on there That file infects the Dark Army Operative, which gives Elliot access To the Dark Army's command and control Center. Elliot set up the Dark Army Because he knew they would open that file And we'll learn more about what that means for Elliot Mr. Robot in the finale, but Elliot Now has access to every computer that the Dark Army has ever hacked. So that's what he He's accomplishing in this moment here I mean that's the whole basis Of the meat here I mean Elliot needs To gain some leverage on the dark army He's going to be able to peruse all Of their files he could do all the digging around that He can that he wants but he also Has the dark army
1: hostage essentially right Yeah I wonder if this will allow him to identify For example that Santiago is
0: compromised
1: Yeah I wonder If this will allow him some some other Information that he can find useful I mean It does seem like he's got a map of All the dark army operatives and There's none in Russia and none in India, which I thought was very interesting, or there are very limited numbers in those areas, and they're pretty present the rest of the world. Uh, So that's an interesting blast door map that he gets later in the episode. But I I understand what you're saying about how he maybe was not anticipating a White Rose meet per se. He was really doing this as a ruse in order to get the back door open. Whether or not he was intending to meet White Rose, he meets Grant instead. Uh, You're one level below. I think you're pretty. You're White Rose adjacent at that point. The plan that he he spent Forth is not really much of a plan It's just like we need to take down eCoin. that's really all it is It isn't much more about how we Can do this or why or what the next Step after that is
0: not exactly super Believable so you understand later On why Grant is like yeah we're being Played like, right th- you know Grant sees Through this to a degree like he's very suspicious Of this whole thing
1: yeah he likes the inc- He really I think notices the in- in- Incongruity between Elliot Wanting to take down e And Darlene at the FBI Filling her guts about how they can Help E Corp and I think the juxtaposition Is something that he really notices Here because Elliot's so half Baked here he's not, there's no nuance to it It's just well we're going to take out E coin Like that's really it and And uh, there is when when Grant asks him Like is there anything else like you want to talk about Elliot just says, are you in or out like you know That's it so if there's not a lot of Nuance to this but that and that's kind of surprising In some ways that the dark army would Get pwned in the way that they did knowing that This meeting was so just surface level obvious, but, uh, but it does seem to work. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know where this goes from here. The, the end product being that Elliot owns the FBI or owns the dark army is pretty freaking awesome. And like I said, it does open the door for a lot of possibilities that will probably play out beyond the course of this season, but certainly in the immediate moment could play out uh, in terms of the Santiago element.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's one other strong possibility of something that we can see in the finale that we'll, we'll talk about as we get to the end of the episode. Uh, but that's the dark army meeting between Elliot and the dark army we already talked about the the final angela scene of the episode where she meets up with she sees bodega cisco and she gets taken into the car and we're ready we'll see where that goes i think you and i were on the same page do you think a uh price meeting for sure
1: yeah do you think the five calls from dad that she missed on her phone were significant in any way
0: just to, only as a tell only like to i think because we haven't seen that. her
1: dad all season he definitely there was a weird parting of ways between the two of them in the second season Do you think he's endangered yeah, well, I don't know. Is it, it's possible, or is it possible that that, that she's so scattered that like I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. When previously they wanted to approach Angela, they being Terry Colby to offer the job at E Corp, they approached her through her father. So maybe Price was trying to set up some kind of meet, or they were trying to reach her. I got what I've been wondering about Angela is she's not going to work, right? Like she hasn't been showing up at work.
0: She doesn't look like it. She doesn't no. look like
1: she's changed, right? Yeah, once hasn't, or hasn't showered, showered, yeah, or changed, she or anything bad. She looks rough. She so it's like she's had a hard time. So it's possible Price then threw Colby into into her father, made some kind of reach out, and that's what we've seen. And that they're actively looking for her. They being the E corp people. Uh, so I do think that that's because Price doesn't want
0: to step out of the shadows with this necessarily himself. Right, right. and So he's like exhausting all of his possible options, and yep. they're not working. And so now we're going to take you. And it's like I'm worried about you. By the way, I am your father, <laughs> Angela.
1: Angela. Yeah. So I
0: think that, that's a that's yeah. A they're going go- to Fidelia. That's right. a that's a good pickup. Mm. Yeah. Ah, I'm getting hungry Seems so I hope we semi-fredo. hope we're going to Fidelia soon we myself. Are. We're on our way. Yes. Um all right, so uh we'll, we'll cut back to to Dom's apartment. Darlene wakes up uh in the night to finish uh to finish the the true mission at hand. How does she bust open the safe just computer hackery?
1: She saw DDP, I think enter the code. When DDP, well right before they were about ready to hook up, DDP puts her badge and gun in the safe, like I said, by the book. She puts her stuff in the safe, but I think Darlene was scoping it out at yeah, that point. And, sees the code
0: And Dom um, No fool No siree She's gonna live to be 103 Or at least live long enough To bust Darlene here And you're not talking Your way out of this And the next time We'll see them We'll be at the FBI Before we go to the FBI We finish up with The Tyrell and Elliot uh, Or Tyrell and Mr. Robot I mean technically Tyrell and Elliot Storyline of the episode Where now Now Mr. Wellick Is understanding That he is at least Being viewed as a puppet uh, That he is a prisoner judge like before. The CTO position is worthless. Mr. Robot sees other utilities for it. Uh, he says, we can use it to see how they operate in the shadows of the Dark Army. We can settle in, we can smile and nod, and when the time is right, I'll expose them. E-Corp may as well be a front for them, for White Rose, for Price, their friends. They're the ones we need to take down. We need a launching pad, a place to begin and dig in and find that vulnerability. And so now Tyrell is really starting to feel this plan. He's starting to really get into it, and this is is when he's the one who says the FBI The dark army has a man on the Inside and certainly he knows who That guy is by at least face If not by name he knows Santiago for sure
1: Yeah and unfortunately Mr. Robot is Unable to communicate that specifically To Elliot so that Elliot can identify That later to Darlene Darlene does Not walk into that meeting knowing that information But it's clear that Mr. Robot would know It and that's a vulnerability that's clearly A problem that Mr. Robot Can't communicate that to Elliot And he only has the, the time that he has to To say that the FBI is owned But it is important I think and the other Part of that though is I don't know To what extent the leverage that the dark Army has over Tyrell which is his Child we saw the scene with Santiago Bracing Tyrell with the camera off Before Tyrell identified Trenton Mobley as the people responsible for The cyber attacks Santiago Braced Tyrell by saying like listen We have your kid and we if you ever want to see the Kid again or have any interest in Any of that like you're not gonna You're not gonna identify me and it seems like he probably did identify him at least to Elliot at this point so where that goes from here, who knows because he did it to Mr. Robot and there's going to have to be some reintegration for that to all come back together I think
0: The episode starts getting super intense from here where after the Dark Army has a man on the inside and we go to the inside and we see the man on the inside and it's Santiago and DDP has brought Darlene in Dom fully owns why she has why she she had Darlene in her apartment and it's awkward she said I was going to volunteer this anyway um, And Darlene Is going to say look this is Why I'm here yeah I'm busted like she, And I think that this is legitimate like I know that there's some Questions about is this some sort of like longer Con some sort of longer plan that She has in play uh, but I Think that just the, the way that she's emoting Suggests to me yep. that she She knows she's burned and like what Do you guys have to lose like we can, we can You know undo the 5-9 hack uh, You know we Have we have this moment we have this moment Here where we can you know we can we can I'm I'm here just like let me have access To Sentinel you can look over my shoulder And to Dom like that makes a lot of Sense like that works for her She understands why like that is something That is worth doing here but Santiago Being the rat that we know him To be being the mole being The guy who's working for the dark dark Army um, he is running out Of excuses here and like Dom Being as shrewd as she is she's got to know That something's up with Santiago I think that She's been suspecting it for a while probably Probably to some degree But it's got to be coming up here Pretty soon Pretty directly
1: Yeah she directly says What's really happening here Like why She thinks that there's A secondary agenda That she's not privy to She sniffs that out Because she says Like this is a no lose situation We let her do what she's saying And there's nothing That comes from it We throw her in jail But if there is something That comes from it That's what we want It's great Why would you say no to this And remember He was the one Getting her to back off Of Tyrell He's been the one That's pushing back he was mysteriously absent during the shootout There have already been questions in Her mind or reasons to question this In her mind how did for Example once the Cisco sketch got Out there why did he put that out There how did the Dark Army kill him so Quickly like those are questions that I think a smart person like DDP It's going to be one of those Kaiser Soze type Moments uh, and it, it's, She's not far from it certainly I think we're going to Get that before the end of the season I would say
0: So uh, Santiago is going To field a phone call from Irving who we know is- Is his guy uh, and Irving's gonna say you Sound stressed Uh, and Santiago's gonna say it Sounds like she knows Everything so how do you Want to proceed so that Is you know as good a Reason as any for why We are we ourselves are Feeling a little stressed For the situation with Darlene and Dom and I Think it it feels it feels Like they're in danger I Really really hope that They both make it out of This episode I'm Cautiously optimistic I Think that there's more Business for those Characters on this show But if you want to get Worried now is the time to Get worried we're moving into a season finale This is a great place for characters to get Killed off for characters to no longer be Welcome my money is on Santiago I think Santiago is not making it out of season Three alive certainly he was on my death draft Irving as well still thinking both Of those guys have a
1: good shot at being taken out here What if we both win the death draft What if Darlene goes Irving goes and Santiago then everybody wins And that's fantastic no one wins that's A huge L we're taking L's across the
0: Board I'm fine with that I'm fine with that You're fine with losing Darlene I'm fine with you and I At least being on the same page in terms of uh, our draft.
1: Yeah, well, I think we're on the same page in terms of the fact that you're likely to have some success there, because I agree with you that this doesn't really bode well for Santiago, and it probably doesn't bode well for Irving, because what we have in many ways is a locked room type mystery that could evolve very quickly. Darlene is captive. She is in the FBI's custody. That's not just somebody you can wipe off the board without, without really tipping your hand. So someone's going to have to stick their neck out very significantly if they're going to try, even make an attempt to take Darlene off the board. And Santiago is like, hey, Irving your move buddy like she's here what do you need what we need you need to take action and Irving is really uncomfortable with this he's like okay alright he's working on his book Josh he is he's working yeah. with his
0: damn meaty hands I wonder how his damn meaty hands would be at playing uh, water glasses what kind of music would he produce with those damn meaty hands oh, Josh,
1: so weird the water glass
0: he would just be getting like mop sauce on the rims like I feel like it would be It like coffee yeah it It'd be mop gross sauce. It'd be gross He'd it be mop saucing Those water glasses Alright so we're talking Of course about The very bizarre uh, White Rose apartment scene uh, Which is According to Wait for it Drink Corridana, uh, That this is uh, Boogie Nights inspired uh, By the great Alfred Molina scene uh, Towards the end Of Boogie Nights With Tom Jane And all of the Firecrackers And all of that nonsense So it's a little bit Of an homage To that But we're gonna have Grant like Dropping truth bombs The cyber truth bombs Happening between grant and white rose where grant is going to talk about how like if you'll let me speak this is all your fault you blindly indulged all of elliot alderson's whims that's what's landed us here if you believed in my strategy as much as you did his we could have avoided this we have the un vote these attacks weren't necessary white rose is as pissed as she is because the timetable to get her Washington Township project moved to the Congo, it's not going to her liking. And we know how important timeliness is to to White Rose, and it's not happening because border security is crazy. Because White Rose had to smack Philip Price on the wrist yeah. in such a powerful way that she's altered the world that they're living in in an enormous, enormous way. Um, which again, like if that's a slap on the wrist, like her ambitions are terrifying. Um, but because she did that. I think it's great because it's showing fallibility to this character. It's showing that White Rose is not all powerful and is not always in control. White Rose is furious that the project is not moving to the Congo, and that's unforeseen and unexpected for her. Knowing what we know, Antonio, knowing that Elliot is going to own the Dark Army um, and knowing that he's going to have access to to all of the the things that they have access to, knowing that the project is not having an easy time shipping to the Congo, what are the odds that we are going to see White Rose enact her project in the finale as soon as next week out of a a moment of desperation because she's going to have no choice if Elliot is really accelerating the timetable
1: yeah it's a good question And I think that's what you were sort of alluding to earlier With the, the secondary thing that could come from This Elliot owning the dark army Thing uh, I think that's a good observation I don't know about odds because I don't Know that she's waiting on I mean if she's she, she if she really is antsy About pressing a button why would She not have done it already I don't Know what the project is they I think that shown That would us.
0: be because like she's about To lose control of the project because It's an urgent matter where Elliot Is going to be outed right. at as having control over the dark army stuff that like Now we're out of time like suddenly The hourglass has been like busted and we Just got to do the thing
1: well the, there's Also the the sword of Damocles In some ways hanging over Elliot's head uh, Because his great power Has put him in this position where Now Grant wants to take him off the board Just like we had referenced earlier in the Season where we started this season Where we began this season was A conversation with White Rose and Grant About how Mr. Alderson Can die for us like his father Did And that is ultimately What what Grant wants to do here He wants to take Elliot off the board And White Rose okays it So I don't know Is that something that will happen before? You're right, time is of the essence here It seems like time is up The hourglass is being flipped over on some of these things Could we see a project get executed? I don't know I don't know what the project is And if she's executing it, it's probably not going to work Like maybe she hasn't executed it before Because it wasn't ready So whatever it is, we'll, we'll probably find out some information about that before the, before the end of the finale I would say I think there is one, one more interesting piece Of the Grant White Rose conversation Is it that Do we think that there is A difference between In the way that there's a difference Between Mr. Robot and Elliot That there's a difference Between the way White Rose behaves Versus the way Minister Zhang behaves Because we see Minister Zhang Is the one who causes the chaos He's the one who causes the problem That White Rose is now upset about I know that I'm not I'm not saying that there are 2 halves of the same hole in the way that Elliot and Mr. Robot are in that there's lost time or that White Rose doesn't know what Zhang is doing but uh, do you think that there's anything to be said for how White Rose is presenting differently than Zhang does here this is the angriest we've ever seen White Rose or Zhang but it's certainly a less composed more very overtly angry kind of bratty uh, version of this character that we've never seen Zhang display
0: I think that it's just that it's our first sign of White Rose's weakness and I think after such great displays Of power it's really Important for us as the viewer to know That it is possible To get underneath White I Rose's agree. skin I agree um, and I, I don't necessarily View it as like one personality Is more prone To fury uh, than The other like unbridled Rage the way that she's really showing Off in this episode where she needs to be Calmed down by her lover Like to like have like a loving gesture of like That that moment that you hope is like you know that happens in like honest And great relationships of like Listen can I level with you For a second most powerful person In the world like you kind of overstepped And you caused some problems uh, Like it's a great relationship moment between These two where that relationship is still like kind of Nebulous uh, is it just a, a Boss and subordinate thing or is there you know A more romantic side here and obviously They kiss by the end of this episode And we have seen them kiss before you know in season Two we have seen Grant uh, You know come to White Rose in this way before for. so I don't know. I think for me, I think it's more, we're just like, we're seeing White Rose at the height of her frustration. I don't think that it's different from how she acts as Minister Zhang necessarily. She puts on different faces depending on who she's talking to because in the public she's Minister Zhang and in private, this is who she truly is. Um, but I think that this is just, we're finally getting to see her unnerved. We're finally getting to see her, um, you know, I use that word deliberately because she's such, you know, she's, she's so obsessed with time. And I think that this is going to be a very exciting thing to see for the second portion of the finale, uh, for the, for the proper finale uh, of what uh, like a fully clocked white rose is going to look like when she, a has already now given the order to like, yes, if you want to go after Elliot Alderson, that's good by me. Let's, let's do it your way. And also she's going to learn that Elliot owns the dark Army's computers.
1: Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting, I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying, that it was vital that we see the vulnerable white rose. But I do think it was interesting that line where she says, people like Philip Price do not respect mercy. You only need to get their attention you only get their attention with force, and a lot of it, that is the only currency with these men. Now, Minister Zhang is a person like Philip Price. He is one of those men. And it's one of those don't respect my generosity for don't don't mistake my generosity for generosity. Like he is a merciless person So I do think it's interesting that there does Seem to be a distinction that as White Rose she's shedding the Zhang Part completely or completely denying That she is that kind of man When she is in Zhang mode That she's the kind of man that she's Signaling or singling out Philip Price As being and that needs to be shown A force to get the attention I think that's a clear dichotomy that She is drawing as White Rose It's the first time I've really really felt Like the characters of Zhang and White Rose Are different, or that there is maybe a little bit of a disconnect when she's in white rose mode. Uh, There, in many other instances, have been similarities. She says silly goose a lot in in both, you know, just that kind of laughing at Elliot or laughing. She does that as both Minister Zhang and White Rose. She's obsessed with time as Minister Zhang and White Rose. But I did think that that was an interesting distinction there, where she's putting Philip Price in a category that Minister Zhang certainly belongs in, but not really being part of that category herself or, or setting that. Aside, uh, I, at least I thought that was interesting, and, and I think that that uh, you're right, one hundred percent. That seeing the vulnerable, angry White Rose is is fascinating for the show because it, it is a, it's an L that that character needs to take. She does need to be clocked in that respect, and I think that there's going to be more L's before the end of the season. I would think, with regard to Santiago, with regard to the Dark Army, maybe Irving. I think they're going to take some more L's, and I think it will be interesting to see how White Rose responds to that because we saw how Minister Zhang responded to a perceived. Steve slight just being made to wait. That was all that it took for 71 buildings being blown up, having to ask twice. So if this directly happens with key operatives and the Dark Army is owned, that is the kind of thing where you might see her pulling the trigger on whatever's going on in Washington Township. It might might resonate in in different ways. So I think we're in a good spot with that. What else are we setting up for the finale?
0: All right. well, what else are we setting up for the finale is, first of all, I think before we even look at that, let's just take a a quick look at some of the feedback that was sent in Our way like we said earlier a lot of People who are worried about Darlene Tom Palmer writes in Can we start a if they kill Darlene We riot movement because I'm worried About her uh, our buddy Bobby From Jersey says uh, has Very similar sentiments please tell me Darlene's not going to get killed by the dark army While she's being held at the FBI I'm Worried our boy Colin Stone very Similar do we still think Darlene is Dying and if so is she more or Less likely to die than er- Irving. Antonio, uh, before we leave this podcast, before we get into finale territory, the last time we tried to give a beloved character immunity, they died, or uh, we lost our. <laughs> that was your fault. We lost our me? son. That was my fault. You told Cordona you'd never watch the show let's, again. Let's 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 tempt fate. I think. I do we terrific. do we want to say? Do we want to say one way or the other? Do we want to make a call? Is Darlene? Surviving the finale, yes or no for you?
1: I actually think yes, and I, I think, think yes. I as think well. it's going to be a subversive. We expect her to die, so she won't die.
0: Yeah, yeah. So she's going to die right We just killed Yeah her. so we just killed Darlene yep, Alright uh, right, some some more Pulling feedback on. This is, We got two from Bart uh, Bart writes in Elliot got into the Dark Army Network of Computers What did he discover And what might he do With this information um, I, I really do think That the, the Washington Township Reactor stuff Is probably going to Ping on his radar Really quickly uh, I think that that's something That's really going to Come to bear for him um, Once again in terms of the In terms of the Wait for it drink Corradona of it all uh, In his tease For what to expect From this. Season 3 finale he only offered Up in more ways than one We're going back to the place where it all Started and that can mean a lot of different Things Um, we've already you know Through these columns We've already unearthed the fact that we're going to get further clarification about the formative day that Elliot fell out the window. That was a pla- pushed out the window. He was pushed out the window. That's, that's a place where things started. You know, that's certainly an inciting event. Uh, it makes me nervous that uh, in more ways than one, we're going back to the place where it all started. Are we talking about this season of Mr. Robot started in uh, not directly started, but in the first in the first movement, uh, you know, the first build up to the first title reveal. Is inside the Washington Township reactor And there's a lot going on with the collider There could the collider go off Can White Rose enact your plan that's a big part of Why I'm suspecting that but the Scarier one is like if that is Enacted are we going to move Into some sort of Lostian territory Where we are going to like Cut to white and we're not going to know What is going to be the status Quo for season four like is there Going to be some sort of cliffhanger where Reality as we know it is hanging In the balance because if we're going back to Where it all started in more Ways than one Mr. Robot Started in darkness Mr. Robot Started on uh, on in in the black Hello friend hello friend so like Are we gonna go in like are we gonna end on Some sort of note like that I'm Very worried about some sort of Massive cliffhanger which we haven't Really really had To deal with in Mr. Robot Before season one ends on Like a massive status quo shift But fairly elegantly you know like, Like the knock on the door the doorbell ringing, as it were. Uh, season two ends with Elliot being shot, and you're not entirely sure what's going to happen there, but you know he's not going to die, and you know stage two is a thing that's happening. We haven't really closed a season of Mr. Robot in like this enormous cliffhangery sort of way, I don't think, personally. I'm nervous that we are, we are moving towards that.
1: Yeah, and it, this would be like a, a cliffhanger way for the reality of the show, not just like a knock on the door, like, oh, who's knocking at the door? Which is a cliffhanger, but this is a reality of the show cliffhanger that you're right we haven't really done that and we could have done that this season if we had shifted if they had shifted the events and ended with stage two going off like we could have ended on like a, oh my god what just happened or did it did it happen we could have perhaps ended with a big gut punch and where are we going to go from here moment we didn't do that so if we had a moment like that in the middle of the season Josh what the hell could be happening at the end of the season because we've already had such a huge moment in the middle of the season you got to imagine we could be getting a bigger moment at the end of this season so I'm at least Tracking that with you I'm not convinced that's Where we're headed but I think it's possible I certainly think it's possible and as I said what we've been doing is a lot Of these oh reality resets itself in Light ways but I think when you say In more when 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 the column Says I'm not going to say the name because everyone's drunk already When the column says uh, In more ways than one I, I, I think we are going to go back to The window and Nancy Greenshields had Tweeted at us and said you know that she Thought that uh, Elliot jumped out of his Bedroom window as a child. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast. That is something that we've been tracking. And as you pointed out, we found out through the column that we're going to get that information. We also found out through this column this week that we're going to get more information about the status of the relationship between Philip Price and Angela.
0: Yep. So that speaks to Dave Baker, who had written in who picked up Angela and why, of what use could she be when she's seemingly so detached from reality? Well, Daddy might just be worried. Oh, Daddy's home. Daddy's home, Angela. (laughs) So yeah, I think we're we're thinking something's going to happen there, and I think that's good. I think I think that's a good place to stop. You know, we've got a lot to chew on in you know the next five or so days as we're recording this between now and the Mister the Mister Finale. I was going to say Mister Finale. Ultimately, did say Uh, you know the (laughs) Mister the Mister Robot season three (laughs) finale occurring, and it's exciting. It's terrifying. It's it's nerve-wracking. I'm so pumped to talk it all through with you. Once we get to that moment, I will be sad that we will not be doing it in person because this has, been, this has been a delight, Antonio.
1: It's been. Yes, it has, Josh. It's too bad we can't do it in person. If I can, Maybe I could change the timeline and we could find a way to do
0: that. All right, we'll see if we can change the timeline for now. Please subscribe if you have not already done so. As we talked about earlier in this podcast, postshowrecaps.com slash robot. While there may only be one episode of Mr. Robot left this season, We will have more Mr. Robot coverage Coming your way here on the podcast That you're not going to want to miss out on So if you haven't subscribed yet Please do so Uh, Check out the column with Donna, THR.com slash MR Robot I'll also be speaking with Sam Esmail Around the finale So we will have a Sam Esmail interview Going up on the Hollywood Reporter Probably some other coverage as well That is still TBDDP Uh, And we will of course again Have some great podcast coverage For you here as well Follow Antonio He's on the Twitters At AC Mazzaro How many Z's How many R's Two Z's One R I am at Round Howard We will be back Next week With our podcast recap Of the season three Finale Of Mr. Robot Take care everybody Goodbye friends
1: Mr. Finale